church, visit our website at kmore.church or follow us on Instagram or Facebook. We hope you enjoy the service. My goal is to be as hairy as young Alec. I'm, I'm working on it. This has taken a lot more time. Bless their souls. There is a lot going on at church and uh, we're actually looking forward to a great time uh, in third term, um, if those of you who do operate according to school terms, third quarter. So this is actually school holiday time, the kids are in. Um, uh, there's not many kids in, so I'm assuming there's a lot of families away. Everyone seems to be in England or Europe somewhere. Um, bless their souls too, Lord. But there's a lot coming. Wish I was there again. Uh, there's a lot, stop it. There's a lot coming up and um, just have a, a growing, uh, a growing, swelling within me, I guess, a sense of, of God is at work with us. We're talking about some stuff, but the Lord's doing some things as well too. And you know, we, we have a, a mode here that I want to talk a bit about that today. We can't do anything without his work and his strength. And so there's a lot coming up in third quarter, which is going to focus a lot on prayer and presence. We're going to do a, a very special um, series starting, must be around the 9th of July or somewhere, when, the, when school comes back, uh, talking about the keys of the kingdom. And helping us to understand the incredible supernatural authority and power that we have as God's people, particularly when it comes to dwelling in his presence and praying uh, into our community. And so that's going to be incredibly good. And the courses that are coming up in third term are Reform and Refocus. So if you haven't done our courses, um, they're life-changing. And, and, but, but the timing of that's going to uh, coordinate really well, I think, with what God is doing amongst us. And if, and if you really long to have a growing sense of an experience of God, of his power to change your life, of his power to direct your life, if you haven't done either of those courses, I really do recommend uh, this is the time to do it. I just think it's a, it's a God moment for us and uh, the Lord is just growing that experiential side of our lives with him. Uh, so please sign up. They start on the 17th of, 16th of July, uh, but you can sign up and register for them now. They include a uh, weekend retreat where we pray for you all weekend. There's lots of ministry and incredible things go on. So I'm, just, I'm wanting to raise the temperature of those experiences and those moments because they're a great gift to us. And if you haven't done them, I really do recommend you sign up for those. Uh, if you want to learn more, talk to myself or Linda is here. Linda Moore, she can talk as well. All right, I'll leave it at that. I'll turn my little announcement app off. All right. Anyone agree that the world's pretty messed up at the moment? I'm glad it's not just me, but I, I mean... We seem to have learnt nothing uh, from wars. First World War was a war to end all wars. Let's just go and do that again, shall we? You know? and, um, and, but it just keeps going on. We seem to have learnt nothing as a, as, a, as a human race. And we thought we were past division and judgement, but then COVID came through and we saw it doesn't take a whole lot for person to turn against person, Christian to turn against Christian over issues like that. And the trauma that still triggers in most of us as we seem to go from crisis to crisis or we're afraid of going to another crisis because we think we just need to get over the one that we've just been through. We look at the financial and the, and the moral pressure that our society is under, that our, that our young families are under, the strain. I think it's seven times the average uh, wage now to afford a house. It was two or three back when I bought my first one. That's real pressure. Families are, are suffering under the strain of that. But God wants us to be about something that changes the world. That's what, that's what we are here for. That's what Christians are here for. That's why a church exists in a local community. We exist to do something about that, to bring about change. And so I want to lead us on a journey now uh, into the beginnings of that and uh, introduce a, a little bit of a tool 
to help us along the way of that, but I, I'm hoping you can help me in a sense of, everyone know what a tagline is or a slogan? We seem to be in an era of, of taglines, right? Um, uh, if you don't talk in sound bites now, the news won't give you a quote, but there's all these slogans that we have in our life that we all know. Now, if you're from Australia here, you'll know that I'm going to get you to help me out. Aussie kids are... And there's a song that Aussie kids are... Fantastic. We're happy little... Come on now. How does a black paste that tastes like that make us as bright as bright can be? I don't know, but when I was in Ireland, I was dying without Vegemite. And we could not find it until two days before I came back. Lucky you're with Amy. There's a guy in our church, Josh Kelland. I'm not sure whether he's here today. He'll be glad you sung that song. He's the CEO of Amy. He comes to our church. Uh, so he'll be very happy about that. It's the fish that John West rejects that makes John West... Uh, now, I reckon that's from the 60s, but we still remember that. All the boomers go, amen. Now, we have a slogan here, and it signifies what we're all about and how. Uh, you may know it. It's filling hearts and fueling mission. Fantastic. And we, we know this slogan because it's not really a slogan. Uh, behind, in the, in the, the back office, it's really a, a statement of strategic intent. That's what we call it. But it's a slogan. It's a catchphrase uh, when it comes out in public. Filling hearts fueling mission. What it means is we don't send you out and expect you to give from what you haven't got. That the role of the church is to create environments where God so fills your heart that we overflow in mission, that we can't help but do mission. And that's the way we've run since the day we started and we're not really changing tack now. But the only challenge with slogans, the only challenge with having something on your t-shirt, so you can, you can wear a Nike a uh, pair of shoes or a, or a headband or with a swoosh on it, you know, just do it. You can, you can wear that and not just do it. Hey, it's like they had this thing called athleisure. Have anyone heard of athleisure? No, there's too many boomers in the room. Athleisure. Gen Y will know all about it. It's clothing that looks sporty. It's like sporty wear. So you'll have the swoosh or you'll have the whatever it is, it points to athleticness and fitness, but it doesn't actually require you to do it. It's athleisure, half athletics, half leisure. So you just look like you're fit. And when you're young, that's, that's a lot easier than when you're my age. But the same could be true here with our, with our little slogan. That there's a difference between knowing it and us activating it together. And obviously there are seasons and there are, there are seasons in the life of a church and there are seasons in, in our own life. And my labouring over this has been how do, we, how do we crack the code on becoming a missional community that reaches out and impacts uh, our, our life and our own people in our little circle because we all have those that we love that we'd love to see come to Christ. How do we do that without burdening us uh, under a load that we can't bear because many of us are under incredible pressure. So how do we do this? How do we fill your heart so it naturally fuels mission? So I don't have to start a missionary organisation and we all donate money to it and say, well, there we go, we're doing mission. How, how do we make it so your life is naturally fruitful? And so we offer connection opportunities, formation opportunities, and we do all we can to, to help with that so that your life will be overflowing. But this is not just sort of our mission. It's not just, well, let's just leave it to Kenmore Church. It's, it's our mission, sure, but as a church, we've been sent into this community, but it's, it's, it's your mission. 
you are a co-worker, you are a neighbour, God has given you people that only you can reach, that I can't reach, that our programs can't reach. And one little saying has been echoing my mind for a couple of weeks now, that one-on-one gets it done. That's too, that's too slogan, you'll never hear me say it again. Uh, but one-on-one gets it done. If, if we're going to change the world, it, it happens one person at a time. One person at a time. That means me, that means you. That we just naturally overflow into this missional life. Because what we find is the key leverage point for anyone's life change and any societal change, the leverage point is, or the biggest leverage point is always the element of someone finding their way back to God. That's the crucial point. Whether it's the first time we place our faith in Christ for what he's done or it's the subsequent times where we come back to God again and he he does something new and, and refreshing in our life. But we need a way to do it. Don't we find it hard? Isn't it? Isn't it unnatural? We're a cold, they call them a cold relational climate. That's who we are. We're a cold, we're not like South America where, where just everyone hugs all the time and everyone's in each other's business or in Africa or other uh, warm climates like that. Not warm temperature, warm relational. We're a cold relational climate full of introverted, um, thoughtful, driving the door and close the garage door as you get, get home sort of people. Now, how many of us know all the neighbours' names around us? Not, not many of us. In, in other climates... <laughs> There's only one neighbour next to you guys, isn't there? <laughs> Don't you own Hawkesbury Road or something? <laughs> For guys like me who can only afford suburbia, I think I've got about nine, nine neighbours around me. Uh, I only know a couple of their names. Because everyone just slips in, door comes down. Don't hear a thing. So how do we do this? We know it's important. Uh, we, we have a will to do it and we know there are people around us that we'd love to come to Christ. But we often don't have a way to do it. So how do we go beyond hoping people find God to to helping people find God? And so this uh, next few weeks, I want to give you some clues and really build a strategy. And I'm bouncing off a book called Bless. Um, That's where we get the name of this series from, Blessed by a great guy called Dave Ferguson from America. I didn't want to read it because he's American, so I'm not reading anyone from America's books right now. I've got like 15 on my... my, So I had a a thing about Americans until I met this guy. And, And he's just incredible. Um, so we're going to borrow his, uh, bounce off his BLESS acronym. I'm not going to tell you what all the letters stand for. You're going to have to figure it out from those icons. Uh, so if you get bored of what I'm saying, you can sit there and try and figure out what, what they all are. B's going to confuse you for a start. But God has a strategy. And there's always, a stra- there's always keys to opening the door of a culture. If I was in Malaysia, for example, the key to the door of the community in Malaysia is Food. You just put on food, people will come and people will get saved because everything just happens around food. Australia, a little bit like that, but maybe not so much. But this strategy of, of what we're called to do has started from the very beginning. And I want to bounce off Genesis 12, 2 to 3 and just talk through the way this whole agenda of God's started. It's the blessing on top of Abraham when he first heard from this God that he didn't know. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So there's this whole idea of blessing. Now I don't want to get too corny about it. It's it's very convenient that it's there. But this this whole idea of blessing is a it's a big word. It's it's almost like God saying to Abraham because Abraham Abram Abram back then before he was Abraham, he, he all he wanted was a child. 
And it's like God saying, yeah, you don't have everything you want right now, but my calling upon your life is to bless you and that blessing is going to overflow into the world. And, and as a matter of fact, the whole world is going to be blessed through you. And he keeps saying, well, I want a son, yeah. And it's a bit like the same with that. There's all this stuff in our life that's not quite the way we want it. And the world is just as broken as it's always been. And yet God is working in your life. God is blessing you. And he wants that blessing to overflow into the world because he's given this agenda that this blessing that comes upon us is actually not just for us, it's a blessing to give away. And this is how he's going to win the world. The plan was always there. He blesses his people. He creates a people. He blesses them and that blessing overflows into other people. And then Paul, the Apostle Paul in the New Testament links us along with this whole chain through history. He says in Galatians 3, that scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announced the gospel in advance to Abraham. That's what we just read. That's the gospel announced to Abraham. All nations will be blessed by you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Interesting version of the gospel, isn't it? Paul is saying that was the gospel. What was the gospel? That all nations will be blessed by you. It's a gospel of faith. We're not taking away from that, but, the, but this gospel inherently comes as a blessing, brings blessing, and is a channel of blessing to the world. We're not just a pond here. The blessing doesn't come in and we go, keep it, keep it, keep it. It's, it's a river, and it doesn't operate until it's a river. Otherwise, it just gets stale and stagnant. The river has to flow. Otherwise, it all gets a bit pear-shaped, and we all just start doing terrible things to each other because we've got nothing else to do. The blessing goes out. And so it's a gospel of faith, but a gospel of overflowing blessing. And it's just such a heart-lifting word. Do you not, does your heart not rise when you hear that word bless? I love the word bless. It's just a great word. It just has this always a, a consistent positive impartation. It's like a, a promise of great things. It's freely given. It's unearned. It's going to be like a present from heaven. Something great's going to happen to me. And it's a way to give for us what we've already received. So we want to use this word blessed, and I'm hoping it becomes part of our language, but I don't want to do it in a kitschy sort of weird way that tries to impose and get you to sign a covenant that says you're going to do what I tell you to do, because I know we can't all do this sort of thing that I'm going to share with you all the time. There are seasons, but I'm hoping it becomes part of the DNA here that we can begin to release this. So we will give you some tools at the end of the series, um, but first I just want to talk through it as we go. So we see this method of blessing in the life of Jesus, for example, through uh, in Luke 19, you see the way he dealt with Zacchaeus. In Luke 19, it says, Jesus entered Jericho as he was passing through. That's just, it's just like you and I. We're just passing through places. We pass through the service station. We pass through Coles or Woolies. We pass into our workplace in our office. We're, we're on our way somewhere, but we're just passing through. We're just doing life. And, he's, and Jesus, he wasn't going to stay in in, in Jericho, he was, he was passing through because he had something else to do. But as he was passing through, he spies this guy called Zacchaeus, a little man up in a tree trying to check out what was going on. And so he decides to stop. And this is the beginning of this whole process, is that we just build a bit of intention about our life and we just say, hang on, there's someone up here who's warm to the gospel and God may highlight this person to you and we choose then to just stop and go, Father, are you speaking? Father, are you doing something? Let's go there. And so Jesus invites him down and says, let's share a meal together. And you'll know the story about Zacchaeus. He gives his heart to Christ and it begins to overflow. Let's have a look in verse 8. Zacchaeus stood up, this is after the meal, and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. What is with that? I don't think Jesus asked him to do that. It's just an overflow. 
Half my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, and you can guarantee he has, I will pay back four times the amount. That's repentance, eh? Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. Because he's been blessed, he's received this gospel of faith, he's been blessed, and straight away the overflow is to give it away. Salvation's come, this blessing of Abraham has come, and straight away this blessing's going out as well. And so this sort of life that Jesus was just doing recreationally, we need to do a bit more intentionally. It's a blessing strategy. So I'm going to give you five practices that any of us, literally any of us can do. This isn't, I'm going to give you four gospel steps and you go out to the street, find someone you don't know and say, pardon me, can I share the gospel with you? It's not that. I've tried that. It was a train wreck. I think I put them off Jesus, to be honest. No, this is just lifestyle stuff. This is what any of us can do it with what God's given us. So the first letter, I'm only going to cover one letter, and that's B, and the B stands for, begin with prayer. It's dodgy, but plus wouldn't have worked, all right? So it's, it's blessed, so it's B, begin with prayer, all right? So we're going to begin with, you won't forget, now that I've said it, you won't forget it, B is prayer. Okay, it's how you do the mission, it's how you discover the mission. And all we have to do is ask, Lord, who do you want me to bless? Because you can guarantee God's in the blessing business. He just always is. He's never not in a blessing mood. It's his countenance. God is love. Love blesses. And so the question isn't, Lord, are you in the mood for blessing right now? It's, Lord, who do you want to bless? And we can position ourselves to be part of that. So Jesus did this. If we look in, uh, quickly in Luke chapter 6, Jesus prayed before uh, designating the disciples. Uh, it says, One of those days Jesus went out to the mountainside to pray. He spent the night praying to God. And when morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose the twelve whom he also designated apostles. So you can see he probably had a large pool to draw from. And to be honest, the twelve he chose wouldn't have been my A-team. He's gone away and prayed. and He's gone, Lord, how do I thin the crowd? And he's ended up, he just chose the ones that God gave him to minister to, God gave him the names because they were the ones he had a plan for. There was something specific about these 12. It wasn't their strengths, it wasn't even their weaknesses, it wasn't anything to do with that. It was just God's calling upon their life and their warmness to the gospel. And so he, by the morning, he'd had clear direction on what to do there. And so we're like that too. We need to get God's clarity on who to invest in, where to invest. We need God's help with this. So we need to be in prayer about that. And prayer is not just us calling out to God, it's, God, it's God feeding back to us and us perceiving and learning to hear the whispers of God and the way he works. In the thermometer that just gets put up on screen there now, we've seen it before, and I just want to highlight again that there are just some people that are cold to the gospel. They're just not interested. I remember those days. You don't stay there forever necessarily, but some people, it's, it's almost like, it's not a waste of breath, but it's like, this is going nowhere. This isn't landing at all. And you can see on there that 26% of Australians have, have said themselves they're cold, to the, they're not, not interested. They don't want to know about your God, any God, anything to do with eternity, nothing. Just want to get on with life and do what they're doing. There's no awareness of sin, uh, the consequences or anything like that. Another 12% are neutral. It's like, meh. Just, I just haven't got an opinion and I don't care either. There's a whole bunch of people like that. So we've got to recognise that's 40% of people in Australia. They're not interested in what you have to say. But there's a whole bunch, uh, 24%, who are not calling themselves Christian, which is 
38% of people, 38% still are calling themselves Christian. There's another 24% of Australians. What is that up to? Uh, 62, something like that. Percent of people are warm to the gospel. But we can't tell the difference. We can never know. I was warmed to the gospel and no one would have known. I was still persecuting Christians. I was still setting them on fire at school. They had no idea I was actually warm to the idea. So warm I was heating people up. But Pete, you need God's help to give you eyes to see what, you, what he can see. And that's, it'll surprise you who the people God's got his hand on. He's like the, the, the expert fisherman who's just reeling them in slowly, 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 and we don't know where they are on that journey, but those, those who are warmed to the gospel like Zacchaeus was, he didn't know what he didn't know. He was just open. And so Jesus just sort of reeled him in, and quick as you like, that, that guy becomes an advocate for the gospel. And these people that are warm, they're the ones we, we need to be praying, Father, show us who's warm to what you have to say, who's open to the gospel. The scriptures talked about them in, with a term called the person of peace. You may have heard that term, the person of peace or people of peace. Jesus used it in Luke chapter 10. As he was sending his disciples out on a a stretching assignment, he said, what you've got to do is go into a village and find the people of peace. He says, the harvest is plentiful. It always is. That's what he's saying, just like it is now. It's just as plentiful now as it was back then. There were hard hearts back then. There was hard soil. There was good soil, just as it is now. Don't believe the media that would tell you that Christianity is on the slide. It's just not. The kingdom's going just fine, and so are healthy churches. The attendance rate in Australia has been dead stable now for 30 years of the number of people who go to church. But the harvest field is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace, that's the different translation of a person of peace, someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return back to you. It's his way of saying someone with that is fertile soil. He used the parable of a sower and said some is rock hard, but some of it's fertile soil and the seed of the gospel will come in. And so he's talking about people who are open to the gospel and will open a way for the gospel into their area. Sometimes they're key leaders, sometimes they're networkers in the community, but not always. They might be a little introvert like I was. It's just like, you know, you'd never know. You'd just never know. And, but, so you need the Lord's help to do that. But we see this right through Scripture where these people of peace get found. We have, we've mentioned Zacchaeus. Uh, John 4, you've got the Samaritan woman. You would never have known as Jesus came there and sat by the well. She was all bristly and prickly. Don't talk to me, mate. You're a Jew. I'm a, you know, giving him the whole line. But he knew. He knew, and so he reeled this beautiful lady in, and she goes into her community and, and starts spreading the gospel. There's the, uh, the Gadarean demoniac, the guy that had a legion of demons there. He gets saved, he wants to hang around with Jesus. He says, no, go back to, where you, to your village, and he becomes a preacher of the gospel. So when Jesus comes back, the whole community is warm to what Jesus had to offer there. There's the Ethiopian eunuch that uh, got baptised straight away, went back to Ethiopia and spread the gospel into Africa. There's, uh, in Acts 10, there's Cornelius. Peter had a vision. God highlighted what to do there. And then Cornelius and his family uh, and his household all got saved under the Spirit's guidance. Uh, There's Lydia, the the seller of purple cloth. She had connections. She was a businesswoman and had connections all through the the, the region of Macedonia and Asia Minor. She becomes a Christian and the gospel begins to spread there through her as well. And then the Philippian jailer as well in uh, Acts 16. What must I do to be saved? You know, And Paul goes just... 
Place your faith on Jesus Christ and you and your household will get saved because he knew the influence of one person in that household. That's a Greek word called oikos. You may have heard of it. You're going to have great influence in this household that you have, not just your family but your close friends. There's increased influence there. So prayer and intention. Prayer and intention combined to find these people of peace in our lives. We may not see, we may not know, but if we're praying and we're intentional, Right, there's, there's, a, there's two elements there. This, this thing becomes all about those two. Praying and being intentional. In other words, you've got eyes to see and ears to hear and you're always prepared to engage with whatever you, you can see and sense that Jesus is involved in. See, when this Philippian jailer um, got saved that night, Paul and Silas had been singing and praying to God all night. They were, they were connected to God and the, ultimately the door opened and, a, and a, an opportunity rose for them. And so once we realise there are those around us who are warm, we can't see them, there are those around us who are cold and we can't tell the difference. It's okay. God's at work all the time in your home, your community, your schools and your workplace. But it's got to be intentional because a person of peace will rarely find you. It's, it's a fascinating... They, just, they tend to stay a bit distant, prickly. They don't, know, they don't know how to raise the conversation. They just know in their heart they're getting warmer and warmer. And that openness is not the same as seeking. It's, it's like, I'm not there yet, but I'm open to the conversation. They might be your family. They might be at home. You just never know. But our day needs to start with prayer. Lord, open my eyes. Let me hear what you're saying. Let me do what you're doing. And we can all do that at any time. So how do you then pray? How do you pray with authority? Well, I'm not going to give you a lesson on how to pray, um, but how do you pray with authority? Well, a lot of it's easy. It's a posture of listening. And the Lord knows how to get through to you. He, he always has. It's more a matter of have I learned to really amplify that voice. It might be through impressions, through scripture. As you're going along, sometimes people see uh, impressions and some have dreams and visions. There's all sorts of ways. The Lord knows how to get your attention if you're alert to it. And in a few weeks, we're going to talk into the keys of the kingdom that you carry literally everywhere you go. And we're going to unwrap some of these things. But to be in prayer is more, at this stage, more of a lifestyle than anything else. And yet you have authority. I, I haven't really taught into this fully in our church, but, but it's coming soon. This whole idea of a, a sphere, a boundary of authority that God has given you. You carry God's authority. He's given us all authority. He says that very clearly. And we carry that authority wherever we go. And so if you're the only Christian in your, in your workspace or in your family, then you come with the authority of Christ to bring the kingdom into that place. And you have authority to pray. You have authority to call down the kingdom influence, to, to invite the spirit into that place, to speak against non-kingdom work, against slander and accusation and bitterness and all the gossip and all the terrible stuff that's around us all the time, you don't have to oppose them with a poster on the wall that says, hey, I'm a Christian, keep quiet. You carry that authority within and you can just pray blessing because blessing overcomes cursing every single time. And so you can clear the atmosphere literally with your prayers. If you know you come into the workplace, do it early. Come early before anyone's there, walk through there, pray through there and you'll notice the environment will change. It's incredible. And there's a whole teaching we'll get into that. But what, what do you pray when those around you aren't saved and you can't tell the difference? Or there are those particularly that you want to see become Christians. I love praying these two scriptures because I know if I'm praying scripture, it's true, it works, it's always got authority connected to it. 
And we've seen these scriptures work so many times as people with their spouses and their families and their workmates and they, long to, and they say, I've done all I can do, I don't know what else to do. We say, pray these scriptures. It's, a, it's from a book of Ephesians chapter 1 and chapter 3. In chapter 1 it says, I keep asking that God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. There it is. Because it's the spirit, only the spirit can reveal Jesus. We, we are in depravity without him. We need his help to see him. We need his eyes to see him. We, we can't do it on our own. We literally need God's help. So he says, pray that this spirit of wisdom and revelation comes upon those you love before they're Christians as he, and his provenient grace begins to reel them in. So we have authority to pray that God would reveal himself to these people, that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and the incomparably great power for us who believe. You can begin to re- pray over them that God re- himself reveals that to them. Funny story, you want to hear an anecdote of this? I know you do. We had a friend and she came at, a, at, a, at an altar call one Sunday evening, I think it was, and she said, look, I, I really like this guy, but he's not a Christian. I said, well, you better break up then. She says, no, I don't want to break up. I said, well, let's, let's just, you don't want to be unequally yoked. Uh, you want him to become a Christian. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I need him to get a say. I just don't know what to do. I said, let's just, let's just pray a prayer. So I gave him these scriptures, this one and the next one. And so she went away and she prayed for, it took, I think, eight days. And uh, she comes back. She said, you'll never believe what happened. And I go, no, because I've never heard any of these stories before. <laughs> you won't believe what happened. We were at dinner. And suddenly my cat screamed, went down the hallway and jumped out of the third story window down in the car park. I said, well, that's the story. No, but it's what happened next. Because it was obviously, for her, she said, because she had the, the worldview for this. It was, it was like a, a demon thing. There was something demonic going on. And as soon as that happened, my, my boyfriend freaked out. He said, what's that? And she's still freaking out because she's missing a cat. She goes, where's my cat? And he's going, what's that all about? And she, and she goes, it must be a, a, a demonic thing you know, that you hear about in the Bible. And he's, he's got no grid for this whatsoever. So now he's freaking out because he's never seen a cat willingly jump out of a window. <laughs> Either have I, come to think of it. It's, uh, so he, he freaked out. And... Um, so he, he, he work, gets an appointment with me the next day and he wants to talk about why would a cat jump out a window. And uh, I said, well, there is a scripture where some pigs did a similar thing. And so he said, what do I do? I said, well, do you want to be under control of Satan or of Jesus? Take your pick. He's calling you out. It's your choice. He goes, I picked Jesus. Great. Let's pray a prayer. And he got saved on the spot. So that was nine days from the moment. You know, how could that happen? He'd gone... 35 years without being open whatsoever. But praying a prayer and watching a cat fly out a window, I suppose, you know, his eyes became open. You can't quote that story. That's a crazy God story. Okay, we're going to cut that from the tape. The next one, Ephesians 3. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all of the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Why do people not get saved? Because they don't know how good God is. They don't know how great his love is. And so we can pray over them that God would reveal to them the immenseness of his character 
and his love and that he is so good. It's, I think I mentioned a few weeks ago that in England now, which is, which is transitioned into a pre-Christian culture, that's the question people are asking. They're walking in the church and they're saying, who is God and is he good? Literally off the street because no one knows a Christian anymore out in the street. They want to know, is God good? Fantastic question. Come on in. Get saved. Once you see his goodness, once you know he's not a judgmental God that sits outside of clinics with a, with a placard, and you know God is love, it's pretty hard to resist. Pretty hard to resist. And so I just believe that God's not only calling us to release blessing today, but I think God wants to begin because it's filling hearts and fueling mission. My sin, I, I woke up this morning way too early, I've got to say, but, but as, I, as I woke up, I just had this excitement, and I'm not a very excitable guy, I'm pretty... You know, but I'm sort of bubbling up with a bit of excitement and I know the times that that's happened I just know God there's something boiling over in the kingdom there's something bubbling up in the kingdom there's something going on and I just the longer I, I sort of sat with God I just, I just knew this isn't just about calling you to go and bless this is, this is for you to receive blessing that God, God doesn't want to hold back he doesn't hold back he loves you he wants to give you everything that you need and he's calling us to go, but he's also calling us to receive. Isaiah 60, verse 20. This is, this is going to speak specifically to some people's hearts because you've, you've felt like, I've turned up, I've done the work. Hang, I wouldn't mind a bit of blessing myself, come to think of it. And I look at what happened to Abraham, you know, and, he, and it's like, Abraham, you're not, your life's not together yet, but I will bless. And, and we've seen a portion of blessing, but it's almost like, oh, Lord, I'm giving this much, and what's holding back? It's time for the holding back to stop. In particular lives that you've known a decade or two of a sense of lack. And God is going to, it's just a specific moment, it's a specific time. And Isaiah 60 verse 20 just rattled out through my brain and I couldn't lose it. Your sun will never set again. Your moon will wane no more. The Lord will be your everlasting light and your days of sorrow will end. When I received that scripture 20 years ago, it was the turning of the tide in my life. Trish and I had known decades of problems and trouble and we thought this was the story of our life. Then I read that verse and we've never known that time again. Your, your sun is going to shine. The moon's going to be brilliant now. These days of sorrow will end. And sometimes he just calls it out and he says, no, enough. You've become who I need you to be. It's time to release you out into the world. And Dave and Kate Taylor, I don't know where you guys are. I had a sense for you too. This is for you today. You've given so much. And God's blessing is going to come and you're going to see it. And there's others as well. So I want to pray for us today. And if you've known trouble, and if you've known it seems like nothing but trouble, and you need the Lord's blessing, we want to pray with you. And if you've seen the Lord's blessing, you know what it's like to receive his abundance. Can I get those who really know what that feels like to maybe stand up with me right now? Because I want to help, have you help me with this. You know the Lord's blessing. You've known his abundance. You've known his healing. You've known his finances to pour out over your life. And you've been living as that river for so long. Can we join together now? And we're going we're gonna to call down that blessing and release it on the others here who haven't known that yet. Because it's their turn now. And it's a river, guys. You're going to receive blessing and the blessing is to give away. So let's all just call down now. Just spend a few uh, seconds now. Just, just posture yourself before heaven. Father, we thank you for the blessing that we've received we thank you for the abundance. We thank you that once we know that we've received it, we're never the same again. Our faith doesn't need to be convinced anymore. We know there is no limit to your provision. Lord, we thank you for all that you are and all that you've done.
Anything is possible. Anything can happen today, Lord, and probably will. And we call that openness of heaven down upon this place, Father, that this will be a place of opportunity, of resourcing and love. And so, guys, those who are standing up, feel free to have your eyes open as, the other, as everyone else is sitting down with their eyes closed. Look around the room. Ask the Lord to show you who you're praying for right now. Because, Father, we want to release that blessing that you blessed us with and more. Father, where there's been a lack of finance, Lord, we release finances. Lord, where there's been a lack of health, Lord, we release healing into this place, that you would break through, that people would walk out this door with a seed of faith and they watch it sprout in the weeks to follow. Lord, I pray that you'd release uh, relationships and open doors and promotions at work and an ease of labour, that those who are working too hard could work less, that opportunities to lose no money but lose hours would come upon them, that you'd multiply finances, that you'd multiply opportunities to witness, Lord, I pray you multiply ministry. Lord, there are some here who felt like they've never had anything to give, either financially or just with their time and their service. Father, I pray that you would release that so they would be able to be free to serve, free to give, that they would know the joy of, of sensing your spirit work through them to bless other people. Lord, will you bring blessing upon blessing, Lord, rain upon rain in this place. Shower your people so they would know no lack that lack would not be a word in their vocabulary anymore, that you would release the floodgates. And Lord, at the same time, release their hearts so that they would know, I don't need to hang on to this. It's freely given. And so they can freely bless. Lord, let blessing be the heartbeat around here. Why don't we all stand together now? Why don't we all stand and we just celebrate together. We're a family here. We're a community, a Christian community. And even if you've come in here and you feel alone, if you feel like you're not connected to anyone, that's not going to stay that way. I pray that you'd have connections in your life. And Father, we just pray your will would be done. Your kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. There's no lack there. There's no loneliness there. There's no crying there. But Lord, in this house, in this place, your spirit would reign free. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. I just went to lean against a pulpit. Let's go. Hey, it starts right now, guys. You can, you can literally spread the love of God before you leave the room. I'm just very aware that the cafe, which we all love, only has so many seats. And so a bunch of you just walk out the door. Please linger. Please linger. Connect with someone. Either receive from them or give to them. Find someone that you don't know that well. Reach out your hand and ask them a little bit about their story. That's our culture here. Bless you guys. Have a fantastic day. If you need some prayer, if you want to unlock some more things in the Spirit there, our prayer team's going to be over there and they've got nothing else to do for the next two hours but pray with you. So um, we'd love to do that. All right, bless you. Let's worship. Thanks, Kate.